0: This is episode 27 of Spokes with cinematographer Nicholas Weiss. Here we go. You're listening to the Red Bicycle Media Spokes Podcast, a show about the experiences of a film production house and the people they work with in the film industry with your host, James Pizarro. Welcome to another episode of Spokes. We are glad you are able to join us today. This is producer Christian. Thank you for listening uh, to our podcast. And... Um we have another great show. We always have a great show. Today is no exception. So uh, before we begin, I'd like to bring up uh, that the session is still available to view through the uh, 2020 DC Shorts uh, Film Festival. Um, it was selected to it and um, our second uh, film festival that we were selected to. Hopefully we have more in the upcoming months. But uh This is pretty much our North American premiere. So if you're in North America, so U.S., Canada, Mexico, etc., you are able to watch this. So for around 12 bucks, you can pay to watch not only this, but uh, seven other movies, uh, short films, and a question and answer uh, session um, if you're all over. But you have until tomorrow night at 11.59 p.m. So if you're listening to this as this show is premiered, uh, that is the time to do it and if it's not then uh, just disregard this message altogether <laughs> so uh, <laughs> without further ado let's actually head to today's interview and um, we have one of our good friends who we've known for the past few years uh, he has done work with Delta private jets Nordic Tra- nordic track excuse me medical mutual just to name a few and um, he's been all over the country he's done some stuff And we're going to talk about pretty much what has been going on uh, during the pandemic, how he's been adapting to it, what he's learned, what he's been doing to improve. Uh, We also talk about how to improve the Cleveland film community in terms of having more crew members on set, uh, developing more jobs here. So if you are interested in film here and you live in the Cleveland area or even any other area outside of Atlanta, New York, Chicago, L.A., uh, all those places, this is a great episode to tune into, because we will go into that a little bit more. So, uh, without further ado, here is Nick Weiss. Hey, um, so what have you been up to then,
1: basically?
2: Um, amidst this quarantine um, and amidst pandemic? Amidst this, yes. Yes. Um, I've been recently back to shooting, in the last month or so really kind of hit the ground running, really almost back to full force, it's kind of crazy, really feast or famine, literally, and... We, in the last, yeah, I'd say about a month, I've really gotten a bunch of commercials about to going, but before that, man, it was not much. It's been kind of sharpening my skills, really reading it up and studying, trying to pick up some new skills, learning new programs. That's been my last
1: four or five months, yeah. So in general then, have you, what kind of work have you been getting? There's been
2: a lot of rebranding, as we enter this new world, there's kind of brands repositioning themselves into how do we approach or how do how did they make themselves more approachable to the new climate um, Through social matters through political matters and health and status matters. So a lot of brands initially were like, okay. Don't go out to eat. Don't go on a flight. Be safe. But now that's been going on so long and now they're losing a lot of money. And now it's, Hey, so maybe you should come out to eat. Maybe you should give us some more money. You should go out of flight, take that vacation. And there's been like a double rebrand for a lot of these brands to get people back to where they were in a mindset of spending money, funny enough. And also just catching up on all the lost work. There's, I mean, there's still, Q2 money left over for a lot of brands who didn't do anything for two, three months. And now we're playing catch up because there's still all of that little um, social media content, all the little um, features and benefits, videos that go along with the big national campaigns that we do and all that still needs to be done. So it's been a lot of catch up. That's really but the last month has been playing catch up from the Q2.
1: Well, it's kind of nice then. But in, in the in-between in, in, in in time, how have you been spending your, your day kind of uh, staying creative and staying inspired? It's been, I try to stay regimented
2: because we still have a career that we still need to um, be good at when we come out of this. Still need to be a job. We're still artists and it takes practice. So if I can't get out there with a the crew and I can't, camera around i can still be reading i actually pulled out some of my old like college textbooks my old film school textbooks and just initially just browsing those just because i needed something to do but then i kind of jumped on some new programs i've been really learning cine tracer and um, cinema 4d and trying to just learn something new um da vinci um i'm not no colorist I usually work with colorists who are way better than me, but I thought I'd jump in and try and keep up with them at least, at least when they're talking about what they're doing. But yeah, on my last project, we, I pre vised the whole thing. And that was all from my month and a half getting down with uh, Cindy Tracer. And, uh, I got to block out, um, five sets and pre-light five sets. And then we did exactly that.
1: Do you think that helped your day, a day of workflow? Um, And uh, I'm sure the client response was great with something like that, correct?
2: Yeah, they were very impressed. Um, I was really happy that that worked out because I could really communicate with the gaffer. We had our scout with the gaffer, Patrick Ryan. And we talked about all of the possibilities of lights. And I brought that into the computer and pre-lit everything and see what worked, what didn't work, what colors we liked. And the client was super impressed and we could just roll right into it. We didn't have to have this back and forth between, is this the right you know direction of light? Is it the right time of day? Is this what you were thinking? This is exactly what we talked about. Here it is two weeks ahead of time and we'll roll right into the pre
1: I think it's a great example of pre-pro being so much cheaper than day of, right? I mean, it's almost you could spend a week of pre-pro and still be cheaper than, burn in burn in time uh, on day of shoot. Did um so so the kind of clients that you're getting are people who are catching up and which I it's it's always interesting that they've also had to reinvent themselves in what they're doing. Um do you find that that uh, it's actually uh are they tending to work with bigger crews, same size crews or smaller crews? Have you have you noticed a trend in what you've seen?
2: it's what people say is happening and what's actually happening um, are two <laughs> kind of different things they say we're doing smaller crews some say we're doing smaller crews and some say we're not changing at all um, what i have found to be the case is that we are being told we're having limited crews and it just, it's what it is and we're gonna, we're gonna work through this but then when it comes down to it it's, it's kind of the same thing it's the same number of crew it depends also on the job. Um, I did a pilot for a show right out of the out of this. Like once quarantine was kind of settling, I went right into a pilot for a TV show. And it, I was told it was going to be crazy limited crew. Um, basically just documentary guerrilla style. And then we get there and we start scouting and we realize, well, actually, we kind of need some more people here and if we're going to make this day we need more people here and we just end up back to where we kind of usually sit so i find that it's kind of the same and our days are not changing too much because if we do go with a much limited crew then our days get much longer and things get much more expensive in the overtime so it's kind of a safety versus money balance for the powers that be
1: it's, I, it's also amazing how um, how the work does come along and how uh, there are times where you go, maybe we should just sell our things and maybe do something else because you don't know if it's ever coming back. Um, have you found that, uh, that you had to be flexible in not only camera packages or what you were toting around or um, uh, basically changing the way you set things up because it may be one or two more days or one or two less days there's a, lot of, there's a lot of that I found that we've had to navigate through. What's been your experience? The, I
2: would say the basic, biggest change, I'd say the biggest change so far is dealing with client communication on the day. And it's not so much been in the gear itself that I haven't found that to change dramatically, but more so how they're tapping and viewing what we're doing. And if there is a slowdown in the day, it's from that. Sometimes we need to give them a direct feed into the sensor and they're just watching exactly what I see. Um, Not even a, sometimes not even a color change, not even a rec 709 image. But other times I need to be out in the field and I can't get them an image. So I need to literally take a picture on my phone of this screen and text it to the producers or the, the execs of the studio. And I'm like, OK, now, believe me that this is not as contrasty as this image of an image of an image that you're looking at. Work with me. In terms of camera packages, though, not a huge change, I would say. There seems to be this more docu approach, if that means anything. But I think that's more so when we do have a smaller crew, it's just kind of dealing with those norms, not um, a need to get by faster with new COVID rules. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I, and I know it, it, I never want to get locked into, uh, do you prefer working with what size crew or not? But, um, there, there are virtues to working in smaller crews. I'm sure you've, you've also experienced that. Yeah,
2: I think, um. Working in a limited crew, or really working with limitations in general, or not limitations, restrictions, is really freeing. I came up and worked in TV and reality shows and stuff like that. Sort of really run-and-gun, doc-style things, and we were really small crews, and I kind of love that. We, we got so much more done in a day. Um, There wasn't enough bounce around. Um, We had just the right amount of hands to handle things. Now I feel like crews are, for the kind of stuff we do around here, they're much bigger than what I came up doing. And even then, it's a lot more people, not necessarily slowing us down, but it's a lot more people to bounce around, more people to transport places and deal with stuff. Um, Yeah, working with a smaller crew is actually really nice, especially when you're out. Location, and you got like five people with you, and everyone's doing like six things, but we're all getting this zone, getting this stride, and we kind of all sprint for the same goal at the same time. There's no laying around. There's no snack hour. It's good.
1: <laughs> well, it and as you know, sometimes you could just keep uh, being creative and and probably uh, come up with more content. Um, and obviously, clients want you to stay to the storyboard and what they're expecting as far as their brand. But there's there's some virtue in be able to actually come up with more more things. The stealthier you are, um, and in, uh, to that end, then you know you're working with um, usually say, SDP. You're working with director and 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 in turn you're working with the gaffer, um, and and grip. How how are you? How are you optimizing that relationship? Do you prefer that a director kind of just say, "Here's the look I'm going for," and then go for that look, or are you know, do do you want to be more um, uh, deliberate, so to speak? What, how have you found that your sweet spot has been? And obviously, we work with all sorts of different personalities. But is there is there something that you've you found that this is optimum if I had a choice? I mean, we've just learned to work with anybody, but What's optimum for you? It's an interesting question.
2: Um, I've worked with a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds, as I think we all have. You know, some people I work with. You know, people who come from not just film but from photography backgrounds, and they're very technical. Down to like talking, I'm having a conversation about what stop I'm going to shoot at with wow. the director, which is one end of the extreme. But then I've also worked with um, writers and theater directors who have no concept of (laughs) what the stop even is doing, let alone what they want from it. So it's, that's more of a conversation where they describe a feeling and then I can communicate that feeling to the gaffer. And then sometimes I'll be back on the other ends. The director's even just having a conversation with me and the gaffer about the direction of light and the tone of it. So for me, I actually enjoy that technical conversation with the director because I I can still put my own spin on the light and on the look. And I can read what they want. And I can put that through my own action plan with the gaffer. But it's I feel like I can get a better idea, a better sense of what they're after when we can discuss numbers a bit more, if that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes like i was saying working in restrictions is really beneficial it's when you just have this huge scope and you have this huge freedom to do whatever you want in a six hour day you know or in a six hour free light it's like okay i can do all this stuff but then you kind of get lost in your own path working with a more direct set of rules of you know, a more clear, concise communication with the director, I kind of like, I can get done faster. And when I reach their goal faster, I have more time on my end to finesse the small things that I know are gonna make a difference. That probably wouldn't make a difference to them.
1: It's also, it's it's amazing. And uh, a couple years back when we, we, you and I and Richard and a few other people shot uh, an interview um, at the studio, and we had very little parameters and little time, and it's probably one of the my more favorite um, setups that I've seen. You know, use a little bit of a. I think we used a wine glass or something just to get a little interest in the in the uh, on the lens to get a, to yeah in the foreground interest, and I, I, that actually was one of my favorite setups. So it goes to that end that sometimes smaller is better. Um, so where do you see where do you see the directions heading or the trends heading? Uh, to a make us uh, relevant and I have another conversation to go down the path of wouldn't it be great if uh, people from out of town hired local talent but for right now where do you think the trends are heading to make us better filmmakers um, just as it stands right now to, to establish a strong community as in Atlanta or um, obviously the coast still have the, uh, the the market corner but you know in this market how do you think we can improve ourselves mm. Hmm. it's a tough one
2: yeah so in a market like this we are mostly commercial based there's not much going on like i would say probably 70 percent of the work that is going on in this area kind of between chicago and new york pittsburgh this is a big time commercial region we do have of course movies come in of varying scales every year and a lot of the union crews are split up among those movies. But when they're not, they're all fighting over commercial gigs, which is where um, production companies like yourselves or the ones that like Think or people who go freelance for, that's their bread and butter. So then they have internal people who are leading these union people. It's tough. Uh, How do we improve? Um, I think we need a large soundstage in the area. I think we all can agree on that. And looking in the future, I think we need some kind of virtual production hub in this area of the world, of of the country. That is definitely the direction the industry is going, especially when we can't make it to the theaters right now. streaming and video games are kind of taking over the home media markets and movies are gonna just kind of catch up with that and virtual production is the way to go so as we can't travel to these exotic locations to film stuff we can do them in in camera we can do um rear projection and the sort of the mandalorian uh (laughs) kind of deal um to make it look like Paris to make it look like wherever we're going and that is going to be, I think, a lot more prevalence in our business. And I think we're, we're ready for it. I think this area is totally suited for that kind of work.
1: It's scary, though, because a part of the joy that you I'm sure you've experienced in, in, in being a filmmaker is to travel and to experience those those uh, locations. And sometimes, you know, being at, you know, a third uh 20 below and um, shooting a, 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 I don't know, a tractor commercial, snowblower commercial has its own virtue and, you know, you're all kind of suffering together. Um, I I actually enjoy that kind of part of it and the camaraderie and rather than being a temperature controlled environment like the Mandalorian shot, which they're doing amazing things, um, uh, (laughs) it's almost too comfortable. I I almost think you become more creative when you're pressed, right? Just a little bit though, just a little bit. So, also, uh, how do you feel the networking here is in, um, in Ohio um, as far as communicating uh, between, between filmmakers and w- do you feel it could be less of a competition and more of camaraderie and people kind of knowing each other's skill set and feeling that there's a lot of, um, I don't know, because uh, that's how it is in any, um, or in, in, in any industry. There's a, It feels like there's just too many people doing too few jobs sometimes. But then there's times where there's just not enough people to do all the jobs that come in. It's just like you said, feast or famine. Um, what direction do you think we can head in as a group of filmmakers to make that, um, to make us more, uh, co- uh you know, collegial rather than competitive?
2: It might just kind of be my own personality, but I'm not necessarily a competitive type. I I thrive on um communication and togetherness and all that kind of stuff um but we do get a bit competitive in this in this town in this part of the world uh no doubt i think we need more people in general i think more is the answer um there's a lot of people who do a lot of stuff there's not enough people who do a job there's not enough camera assistants. there's not enough People interested in grip or electric. There's a lot of people who do everything, mm-hmm. and I think that is a mistake. Mm-hmm. Not, and not that that's wrong to pursue that kind of work, but if we are to step up to, say, an Atlanta level of work, um, we just need more crew, and crew members don't, you know, run movie and also fly drones and also set up you know, dollies and sliders and have, you know, five DSLRs, um, crew members have a specific set of skills that I can bring in because that's what you do. And you're my second electric or you are the first AC. You're not you, while you may have those abilities, that's not what the market needs and if not, if we're going to step up.
1: I think we're trying to head in that direction. What Patrick's doing, uh, Patrick Ryan's doing and, and just Kind of focusing on movement, I think we definitely need that to know that, hey, these guys are the movement guys. Why why look anywhere else? Or, you know, these are the drone guys who do this every single day. You can rest assured that they're going to get the job done and go in and out rather than kind of learn it on the job, which, you know, I've been guilty of. Um, and it's it's just one of those things you feel you need to do everything for the client <laughs> I guess that's it, it's it's a means to an end but I think it's a good point that if we could just all kind of um uh I don't even want to say stay in your lane but if if, if that's something that we could all uh, uh kind of agree upon you know and I know we haven't done this and it's been uh attempted is almost have these uh forums where we could at least meet virtually or you know we talked about this at one time is just looking at films and breaking them down and saying hey wouldn't it be great if if we did X, Y, or Z. So I think that's just important. Um, So how's it looking for next year? Uh, um, I wish I could say
2: I knew. I don't know. You know, it's... How's the whole world looking for next year? Yeah. You know, we... Things seem to be moving in terms of my work. uh, Things seem to be at a steady pace right now and I'm hoping that continues into next year. I had a feature that I was shooting. Basically this year I had a ton of things all colliding at the same time as shutdown. I think we all did, but I was working on a feature, just starting up a feature out of the country and working on early proposals for another feature that would be going uh, in 2021. So this has all been just shifted down the line. So If all continues, um, I'll have a couple of features going next year, one in country, one out of country, and a whole lot more commercial stuff. Always trying to push the boundaries, trying to learn, just trying to learn on the job, trying to learn as we go and just get better.
1: Have you, um, do you ever take uh, the old retroscope and look at your old work and see how you've come along and improved? I mean, for me, old work is a couple of weeks ago. And just kind of go, yeah. And just kind of going, man. I thought, I thought that was good, and then you're like, eh, maybe not so much, right? But do, you, not only. Oh, so if you look at your old work, how do you critique yourself, and how do you see what area do you think you've improved the most? Yeah, that's a. If there ever
2: was a true statement, it's that one. You know, I. Uh, once quarantine started, I thought it would be a good time to update the real ones. I haven't done that in years. So I think as we all did, and I start putting the reel together and I'm looking at my old stuff and my old stuff is not even that old. It's, you know, a year and a half, maybe at most. And I'm like, wow, I really suck at this. I should find a new job. (laughs)
1: But um, if you don't say that every day, then there must be some. (laughs) No, it's usually on set. I'm like, man, (laughs) what are they trusting me for? for?"
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think. I think that I've been, I've been in a good position to work with really talented people, people way more talented than myself in almost every facet. So I'm working with gaffers who have a lot more experience than me. And I learn from them. And I'm on sets and I learn how to communicate effectively with them and directors and colorists. So as I look back at my work, I think I can see a progression of understanding how to communicate a tone and a look more effectively. It's not that like, oh, I learned how to, you know, do this crazy jib move that I didn't know six months ago, or I learned how to, I don't know, push through a, a window with a cam or whatever, thousand frames. It, it, it's something like that. It's more like a steady progression of subtlety and finessing ratios of lights to communicate this emotion or moving, moving the camera less because you know, I'm not an Instagram hype beast. Mm-hmm. It's um, knowing which fixtures to use when or knowing to not call for a fixture and just know or to tell the gaffer the mood I'm going for, the, the kind of life that I want, and to step back and let them do their job. And just say, I want something big and soft and pushy over there and not this fixture with this scrim over there. Um, and I look back and I remember um, struggles that I had um, in hitting a time, um, you know, finishing a time, or not quite getting a shot that I wanted the way I wanted to. And where I am now, I feel, while I'm still learning, I think I can get there faster, more effectively, through better communication.
1: I think that, may, that makes total sense. And, and so what I'm hearing, it's more, it's more uh, theoretical and nuanced rather than saying, uh, oh, I learned how to use this better or that better, because that, that's just, that's almost like the, the r- repetitive mechanical skill which I think once you figure it out, you do it. But it's they're not hiring you for that. They're hiring you for your eye and basically your taste. And if 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 you don't have the taste that aligns with what they're seeing, I would imagine that that then I think you're in, you know, you're going you're in for some uh, challenges. Uh, do you do you also feel that um, learning? And this is what I have learned is that you know what, a gaffer is a lot better than lighting than I'll ever be to just trust the gaffer and say, hey, like you said, put something soft to push you over here and can I get a little edge uh, right around here? And they'll do it and they'll probably do it quicker and faster. Have you learned that kind of uh, 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 dance or vocabulary as, you, as you're as kind of on set and whatnot and who to trust? Um, it's I'm a big proponent of trusting your crew. And I think just as you said, you know, I'm brought
2: in to be kind of an oversight of tone and look. Um, I am there to direct the photography, I'm not there to micromanage the photography. Um, people are, yeah, my, my operators, my first ACs, the gaffer, the everybody is so good at what they're doing because I'm trusting them, I brought them in, and so of course I must trust them. So I remember early on, Matias Peralta was uh, someone I worked with a lot, he's now out in LA but he really taught me how to communicate to the grip and to the electrics with what I once and the chain of command, this was years ago, but I kind of got lost on the question there, but
1: no, I mean, I, I guess what we're, we're referring to is that, you know, communication amongst the different tiers of people and knowing how, um, the gaffer grip or, or, or hell, even the AD or anybody else to, to make your day, um, to, it's that line of communication that's so important. I mean, you are the director of photography, and you have to work with it with the director, and and that's I think that in itself is is such an acquired skill. And there's so many people in this industry, even in Northeast Ohio, that I find are so good at what they do. I look at their work, and I'm constantly getting better, and they're it's they do amazing work. But at at the end of the day, how do you feel it it gets you on the next job like? Um, what, what do you think your, uh, quote unquote formula for success or it's, isn't it, Nick, that it's not only being hired for this job, it's hopefully for the next five jobs, right? I mean, you get on once and that could be a one, one off kind of deal. What do you think keeps you on set? Mm.
2: I think generally keeping everybody moving keeps me on set. I think an absolute fail of a job an absolute just complete fuck up is not that the project turned out poorly well that's of course not what we want i think a failure is everybody was poorly communicated to we were late we were slow um we did have a clear picture of what we wanted for the client's benefit and for our own benefit. So I think when, and if I'm hired back, it's because we did our job not well in terms of the finished look of it, but we finished kind of on time and everybody felt they were doing their job. I'm, if that makes sense, this is—it's it's like a very theoretical thing. Um, you know, I'm not costing the client more money. That's a big one. The or if I do need to cost them more money, I'm very clearly explaining why. Um, we hit a snag, or you know, in the pre-production we anticipate that so we're going to need a little bit more slow motion. Oh, okay, so we now we need to bump up to a Phantom. Okay, so now we need a little bit more lights is this, you know, here's an example of some phantom footage that I've shot. This is the level of, you know, slow motion. We're going to get from that. Is that what you're looking for. Yes, it is. Okay, well, now we need different fixtures that can handle that frame rate. That's going to raise the price a little bit. And I want to be very clear that I'm not trying to take more money to take more money because I want better toys. You know, We are going to get what you want for this reason and for this cost. Is that okay? Yes, it is. Okay, cool. And just that being very open and very clear with um, the ADs about how much time I do need, you know, how much time, you know, until we're ready to shoot. And not be like, oh, we're ready to go then you take 20 more minutes. And they're upset. Just being very honest and open with um, everybody above the line. And then the clients too get you hired again.
1: So if we can uh pivot slightly to um some technical things. I, I don't we don't really like to focus a lot on that, but I think they're fun. How do you um how are you judging exposure on uh on set? No, I
2: have a monitor that I trust. Um I have a Sony OLED um whatever it's called A1 something, A170. Um, arm and a, arm and a leg yeah exactly um i've used that thing forever um
1: what size what size is it 17 inch oh that's a nice size mm-hmm.
2: you know it's portable i keep it with me it's on you know totally wireless it's on a stand and it just attached to my hip at all times so mm-hmm. got 90 robo cups attached to it um and i keep my light meter on me um not necessarily to expose the image that I'm currently shooting, but more to get an idea of ratios down the line, or I'm sorry, ratios, and then lighting down the line. So as we go through the scouts, I'm just getting rough estimates of exposure and then what I need to hit, you know, I have a desired stop I'm trying to fight for and just kind of ballparking and stuff. Um, or maybe I'm pre-lighting three sets at once. I'm shooting a set and I got two sets down the line, I can really, and I can't bring the camera over there. So I use the light meter for that stuff. But in the moment, I'm really looking at more so false color than white form these days. I really kind of enjoy that newer tool. And then just looking at a monitor that I really trust and going by eye too. Um, so I hit the ratios with the light meter and just look at false color in the monitor, I judge it by eye.
1: Such a valuable tool. I mean, I tend to just love false color because it really gets me to where I need to go. As that, the waveform to me, it just seems to be. So, do you ever take uh, instances and uh, put them on a timeline and and throw the plugin in and just see where you're at as far as far as what what the client needs and see what's common and uh, is that something you've done in the past?
2: Not on the day. I do that ahead of
1: time. Okay. okay. Well, even ahead of time, yeah, just to see see where you're at.
2: Yeah. So I'll. The few times I do get like a full, um, not just pre light, but like ahead of time production, and that's more so not, not going to be on commercials, that's going to be on um, shows and the few times I do features, we'll really test looks. Um, and that's going to be a combination of lens testing and um, filter testing and camera testing. And then move those once we settle on that look, take that into the DI. Um, with our colorist and I'll spit out a bunch of different looks and then we'll kind of judge off of those but for commercials not as much it's more so we have discussions ahead of time and we look at images and photos and pictures from other movies and this is roughly what we're going for and I
1: can I
2: trust myself and they trust me to hit that
1: what are what's the percentage where you have a, are able to have a dit or at least somebody um, who can who can give you feedback on on picture on set? Um, on set, I really have a di um, a dit,
2: um, at least not one that's gonna be live rating. That doesn't really happen mm-hmm. at this level of commercial work. Mm-hmm. Um, on on the movies, I will, but that's kind of a different beast. Mm-hmm. Um, for I do have a colorist that I trust, and I try and push all of my jobs to him, and we work really well together. But on sets, I work off of a, you know, I don't like to make custom lots for every job. Um, I know some people are really into that. I like to just have a unified system that goes across the board that I can finesse the light to hit the look and not mess with the color on the day. Because um, I know that in the same way I trust my gaffer and my other crew members, I know my callers can handle whatever we ask for
1: mm-hmm.
2: or whatever needs to happen. So I really push the lighting into the look, and then have the clients judge that.
1: It's it's scary because sometimes, as you know, the clients fall in love with whatever uh, look or look you have on set, and uh, then they become inflexible downstream. So yeah, it's that's that's kind of a really sticky wicket to deal with sometimes so you gotta there's a little bit of balancing going on there um and as far as as far as any other tools that you find invaluable especially for road trips or anything is there something you have to bring
2: yeah probably a viewfinder is just like your power staff on set um i, I there are several apps i use um there's a, what artemis right? That's great. That's really helpful. And it really gets you into the ballpark. But there's something about looking through the lens and figuring out, okay, it's not the 32, it's actually the 40 we're going to go with. Mm-hmm. And you need to look through the lens at that moment. But sometimes getting the camera there is a whole ordeal. So just walk the thing around with you. I love. I use it on so many jobs. Um, that, and then there's back to the apps. There's things like Sunseeker and um I, I also call city tracer um now having really dipped my toes into that, that program um that really speeds you up on the day you know where to shoot so i can look at artemis and i can build up my um my day exterior and um in city tracer and i know where the sun's going to be relative to the actors and i can really plan the day as cool as city tracer is for like designing lights it actually really helps you figure your day. And you kind of know where the sun path is through your apps and your research and where the shadows of the building are. Um, That's gonna, you know, you're gonna lose the sun at three o'clock because it's gonna dip behind this building and that's lunch. But the, uh, I find center are helpful in planning your blocking um, with the direction of the sun.
1: That's very uh, that's interesting because what, what normally might be a, a morning shot early is happens, an uh, interior, happens to be the best light at, for an exterior. So you might actually have to flop those because you can control an interior far more, obviously, than being outside. But that, that, that's really, that's very interesting. I You think those apps are just good for seeing things, but actually can help you plan your day and become more efficient. Exactly, and that's what they're—that's what you're paying for. You're paying for efficiency. That's 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 very interesting, and, and clients are very happy. We talked about getting back on set with not only saving money, but actually obtaining more assets and exceeding your 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 uh, their expectations. Um, so, uh, to get those jobs and to help you manage all that, you 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 have an agent. So, tell me why you should have an agent and uh, how you ended up. Uh, delving into that um i don't at the moment um i
2: did for a minute for a little while but it was
1: well then you could talk about the pros and cons
2: yeah so having an agent is is great at a certain level but it's kind of it it depends the kind of work you're going after if you're jumping into um more local, kind of corporate commercial stuff early in your career, um, you're kind of working your way towards getting an agent. And getting an agent is not, their job is to not get you work. Their job is to connect you with people. And then you kind of, you know, take the sprint from there. If you have people you want to work with or collaborate with, they can kind of connect you and there you go. But it's not like, a, you know, end all be all, I'm going to get work for the rest of my life because I have an agent. That's not what they're there for. And they'll tell you that too. You know, probably when you get an agent, the first job is going to be a free job. It's going to say, um, you are going to work with this person for free because they'll probably help you out down the line. And that's what what they do. And they're great to have. Um, But it's tough when you're starting out to even think about that. It's not even worth it yet. yeah, I mean, I loved it, and I think when when COVID hits and we all totally froze, it was time to find something else, which is where I'm
1: at now. So uh, again, moving moving forward, uh, your your next thing is just to obviously keep busy and and, and stay on set as much as we can. Um, I uh, I've also found that uh, it's. It, like any crisis that uh, there are opportunities that have arisen where normally they wouldn't need it to be filmed. Now you've got to come up and uh, uh, run into that uh, where you actually have to um, reinvent or have a way of getting your message out to the audience. Have you seen that also in, in some of the work that's upcoming? Yes, I think so. Um,
2: social media is really a, an interesting thing, isn't it? You can really... <laughs> for sure there's a niche for everybody and when it comes to both brands and content creators they are really in the moment everything is very much in the moment especially with the varying social matters these days people are shifting their message to um either be more or less sensitive to these matters so i found recently there's a ton of um political content black lives matter content um COVID awareness um voting um get to the polls you know the, mm-hmm. this is kind of of the moment content that people are shifting towards because it's what's happening now and it's really important stuff and it's less so Fashion or less so, kind of. I, I call it hypebeast stuff. Um, the people who are usually cranking up that kind of stuff, you know, the hip hop videos with just the constant Dutch angles and Titan tubes in the backgrounds are just now moving into, I would say, something more important. And it's not, I, I don't want to call them un, man, I don't know how to describe them. Um, It feels very topical for some of the work. It doesn't feel genuine. It feels like it's, I need to do this because that's what people want me to do.
1: It's not a great place to be in. And and unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, I agree. We've kind of been forced to that. And it seems so, um, uh, I don't know, it seems so uh, ingenuous. So um, so, uh, again, I'd like to... I'd like to introduce a new segment, <laughs> this is kind of be some rapid question stuff before we close. Uh, first of all, have you seen Tenet? I did, yes. Okay, so I want to dedicate a Zoom program so we get a bunch of, uh, of people in the industry to discuss how the hell that movie is is interpreted, because I don't know, I did you figure it out pretty much, or... <laughs> Is that? I mean, the, I saw, <laughs> I, I saw it and then I had to, you
2: know, go into a a rabbit rabbit hole and try and just learn all I could because I came out of that movie thinking I knew what happened and now I don't know. I, I feel like I was convinced and now I'm less so.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh it it we could we could have a uh, probably a two hour Zoom call with everybody bringing their thing to the table. So um, any guilty pleasure? Uh, well, first of all, any binging that you've been doing at all? Yeah. Ooh, binging. Um, I watched
2: Euphoria, which mm-hmm. is an incredible show. I've probably watched that three times. I love that show. Yes. Just went right through. Um, lots of. I heard the word guilty pleasure in there, so I, if that's another question, I don't want to.
1: Oh, it is another. It is another but uh, but go ahead. I uh, and the, the this... I, I, I binge a lot of
2: like just cooking content. I don't know why. I love to cook, and I love cooking shows youtube shows um so um chefs um the john favreau show
1: oh yeah i, I forget what this is called is it just chef something yeah favreau's chef show
2: yeah. something like that um yeah uh yeah anything that's remotely related to cooking your food i i just absorb that content
1: and that was the next thing the guilty pleasure time suck um is there is there anything that you like to do that you go, Hey man, I deserve this. Uh, I can, I can, I can waste all the time I want doing this cause I worked hard. Is there anything you like doing it at all? In terms of what kind of that I watch or something what? I do? That's something you do. It could be, <laughs> man,
2: um, all my friends that listen to this are going to be like, of course, he brought this up, but I love to, I love to rock climb. So that was, that was something I jumped into. That's awesome. To, during a, during COVID, I got to go outside and climb a whole bunch. And those was a big one.
1: That's that's great. And, and then and then really, um, beside rock climbing, any other interests that you want to bring up that you love to do?
2: I do love to cook. Man, I feel right. like we're on a first date here.
1: Oh uh, yeah, exactly. Well, exa- well, this is is also speed DP and speed, speed yeah, sure. director a um, month. So yeah, I love I love cooking. Um,
2: it's funny. I went to I went to film school. But I actually dropped out. I went to school uh, to study architecture, and I was going to be an architect. And I dropped out my first day and moved into film because so many of the things that I loved about architecture, I could kind of recommunicate or communicate better through the camera, mm-hmm. the contrast, line, shape. But I feel like I can also do that with cooking,
1: and it's all—it's all an art. There's an aesthetic, right? So I mean, that's—that's that's why I—I I, you saw think all that all that time just to eat it in five minutes but you know hey they spend months make uh, uh, producing something that you watch for two hours so I guess it's all relative right well uh, first of all I want to thank you for coming on Nick I really do I, I it's been too long since we've connected and I'd, I look forward to collaborating very soon um, yes likewise because I because uh, I've always enjoyed the uh, the relationship so I appreciate you coming on um, I yeah, of course. And I think Christian has a, a couple notes uh, for you as far as um, uh, whatever. So, Christian, if you want to come on. Uh, First of
0: ahead. all, uh, Nick, thank you for coming on. Uh, where can yeah. we find you uh, on social media or if you're on social media anymore?
2: Yeah, right. Um, no, you can definitely find me on Instagram. That's kind of my primary hub. My tag is um, Nicholas White, DP, And my website is... Um, also, nicholaswisedp.com.
0: I do want to bring up one more thing before we go, especially as it pertains to the Cleveland market, is that we definitely need a lot more people on crew here, uh, whether it's grip, gaffing, lighting, uh, wardrobe even, makeup, uh, craft services. Uh, a lot of crafty needed, of course. Uh, PAs, definitely. This So this is, I think, the best time to go into the industry if you're interested if you want a little bit of a taste of what filmmaking is all about uh, whether you're in a smaller community or a community here like Cleveland uh, this is the place to do it this is the time to do it I believe so uh, with that said that is it for today's episode I would like to thank Nick Weiss for joining us and uh, talking with us just about cinematography and the future of it if you have enjoyed this episode And you want to hear more, whether it's from Nick or from any of our guests, uh, definitely check out redbicyclemedia.com slash podcast or hit subscribe on your favorite podcast player. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love for you to rate and review. And uh, any feedback you guys give, we will definitely take into consideration. And we had a couple uh, come through our Instagram. So thank you for all that. And uh, if you want to follow us, uh, speaking of Instagram, uh, we're on Instagram and Facebook uh, at Red Bicycle Media. So uh, definitely check that out. Definitely check out the session. You have another day and a half to uh, purchase and uh, view it. And let us know what you think of it. We'd love to hear about that, too. So uh, that's it for today. This is producer Christian again. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.